we're getting back at it, and so I thought I would go for a crazy one this week, and I'm really excited. I really like this story. I recently learned about it, actually, a couple weeks ago, and so I've been finding a lot of really good cases recently, so I'm really excited. So I actually had a tough time, like, deciding which one I wanted to do, but this one popped out as a good, like, getting back into it kind of story. So it's not going to make me absolutely completely depressed, like the Yasser ones? <laughs> correct, correct. We're, I don't know if anything will ever make us that depressed. <laughs> It might make you freaked out to live your life. This one is about Amber Thompson and her family. Amber Her was, whole family? Well, her, her mom, and her brother. They all go missing? <laughs> no. <laughs> but they all have a role. Okay. Okay. I guess I should just actually let you tell the story. If you could just keep guessing. <laughs> twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun for everyone. 21 questions. <laughs> Three hours later. And you still don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> So Amber was 22 years old, and she lived in Owasso, Oklahoma. She was very passionate. She loved children. Uh, she was very religious, and she actually led Bible study for children, and she wanted to work in the medical field. Her mother was a nurse and kind of, like, told her, you don't want to become a nurse. Like, she had horror stories of being a nurse and, like, what was expected and, like, the shifts and stuff. So she knew she wanted to go into the medical field, but she didn't want to go into nursing because her mom <laughs> told her not to. She decided that she was going to start studying pharmacy. She started taking college classes in pharmacy, and she was doing really well, and she was very, very smart. Around this time, she was dating a man named Josh Owens, and the relationship was terrible. It was toxic. It was abusive. He seemed to take advantage of her by her paying for everything. He didn't have a job. They didn't go into too much detail about him, but he wasn't a good guy. So Amber broke up with him. And luckily, when she broke up with him, he actually served time in jail for a previous burglary. And he was scheduled to serve 14 months. It had nothing to do with him and her relationship, but it was a good time for her to separate from him, get some space, and kind of start her life over a little bit and separate herself from him. So she decided to move back home into an apartment with her mom, which was 20 minutes away from Owasso, and it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She changed her phone number and she started over and went away from Josh and was like, Josh is over, done. I want nothing to do with him. And so in this time, she was doing really well at her degree. She loved living with her mom and was excited for the next part of her life. What? I just started singing my head, Joshua's over and Joshua's done. <laughs> Except for like terrible. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the real name Jamie. in that lyric. Jamie. <laughs> Jamie. Jamie, that's it. Oh, funny. Okay, that's... <laughs> that is not how it went, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, so she was excited, but she was new into the area. And as we know, when you get to that age, I don't know what college she was going to, but it wasn't like she lived in a dorm. It wasn't like she had, like, connections with people outside of school. So she kind of felt like she wanted to get back into the dating game, but wasn't, like, totally used to it. She had never done it before, but her mom suggested it because she had some friends who had really successful marriages and relationships from online dating. And so she told her daughter, give it a try. But she prefaced, don't give anyone your name. Don't give them your phone number. Don't tell them where you live. Don't go anywhere alone with them. You know, that kind of, they're creepy people out there. So have your guard up as she already knew because 
her previous relationship, not all guys are good guys. The normal laundry list that girls get when they enter the dating scene. (laughs) Exactly. So she was careful. She decided to join Plenty of Fish. She put on there that she was looking for a relationship. She talked about that she, she loved children. She was religious, that she was in school, and that she was looking for a relationship. Because as you know, like with online dating, you can put what you're looking for. If you're just looking for sex or one night stands or relationships or just like casual or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she said that she got a lot of messages from guys, but most of them didn't really want a relationship and probably were creepy and said we're I, on plenty of fish. I believe that. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> exactly. And I watched this show. So how I found out about this case is I watch a show called Web of Lies. And it's actually interesting. It's all about cases where the internet is involved. So it includes catfishing cases, but it also includes like cases where people create fake Facebooks, where people lie about who they are, kind of stuff like that. And I found this from there because she was using online dating, which is common. And a lot of them use plenty of fish. So it's kind of a common occurrence. But Mm. she gave it a try and she ended up reaching out to a guy named Chuck Davis Jr. On his profile, he said he was 26. He was looking for a serious relationship. He lived in Tulsa, worked in construction, had his own place, and was working towards a medical degree. They had a lot in common, especially that they were both going into the medical field and he was cute and he looked like he had a nice, good paying job where her prior relationship, Josh, didn't. So I think this was for her a good opportunity to reach out and see how it goes. So she messaged him and they hit it off right away. They talked on Plenty of Fish for about two weeks. They had ongoing conversation nonstop. He said that he was planning on leaving his construction job to focus on school as he had saved up enough money. So he wanted to just focus on school and work towards his medical degree, which she thought was pretty cool that he was so into school because right now that was like her number one focus. So after the two weeks of contacting each other on Plenty of Fish, she decides to exchange phone numbers with Chuck. They continue to text message back and forth. And then one night, Amber is alone in the apartment when she gets a text from her ex-boyfriend, Josh, letting her know that he was out of prison and that he knew her new number, kind of taunting her. And he wanted to get back together, which I think it was both like forceful, but also like, I want to get back together with you, which is like such a toxic, Mm -hmm. abusive person like they flip back and forth between I love you and I want to hurt you yeah like you try to get away from me guess what I got your number and I love you let me be with you (laughs) I love you so much yeah and that's how he was so she was scared because he had her number but she knew like she wanted nothing to do with him so she kind of ignored him and then I think eventually she told him to leave her alone and that she was done but she was angry and scared because he knew more about her than he should. But in this day, obviously, it's really easy to... What year was this? 2014. So in 2014, it's pretty easy to find out where someone is unless they have absolutely no connection to the internet. And at this point, she has not met up with Chuck in person. Correct. I have my predictions. (laughs) Okay. Hold on to them. Amber decides to let Chuck know what's been going on in her prior relationship and let him know that what she had been through and how she would never let that happen to herself again. And he was really understanding and kind. He was there for her and it made her feel protected. And he also was very understanding and told her that he would never do that to a woman and kind of reassured her that he was a good guy and he didn't understand why men did that kind of stuff and stuff like that. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. Are you okay? Yeah. No, I just wanted to clear my throat when you were done talking, so I didn't have to At least with your last breath, tell me the end of the case. (laughs) (gasps) They all die. (laughs) 
Chuck eventually asks her out about a month after they started talking online. Oh, she, that's a long time. Yeah. And so she says yes, and he comes to her apartment and picks her up. He shows up and is just like the guy in the profile. So it's not Josh. Oh, damn it. I, I thought for sure it was going to be Josh. I did too the first time I, I read this. Well, that, well, that's the fucking point of the rest of the story. <laughs> exactly. So she meets Chuck, and he's really polite. He's really well-dressed. She introduces him to her mom. Her mom approves. She's impressed. He's obviously steps above Josh, as Josh had like a really big criminal past. And I don't really know how the mom felt about him, but I'm guessing not highly. Yeah, no, probably not great. <laughs> yeah. So he took Amber to a Chinese restaurant and she said it was a very romantic meal and he was really respectful and nice and she was very happy with the date. It went well and she was really excited for their relationship and looking forward to it continuing. So Josh continued to harass her and made it aware that he knew about her new relationship with Chuck and he wanted to end it. So he was basically threatening her and as well as him. Ugh. Yes. So she was very fearful of him but was really happy with Chuck so she kind of, you know, ignored him but she knew that Josh was obviously spying on her and was making her life miserable at the time. So she was really angry and upset and scared and frustrated, which I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. And obviously he is stalking her if he knows where she lives, her phone number. Like, yeah, if, if he's spying on her, he's exactly. Her. Exactly. So then one afternoon when she is home alone, Josh bursts through her door. Ew. Yep. He starts attacking her and she tries to fight him off, but he is enraged and very strong. So she runs away from him and ends up running into the bathroom. Room, where Josh pushes her into the bathtub and just starts beating her. <gasps> but for some reason, luckily, Josh just takes off and leaves. It just, okay, you're just gonna burst into your ex's apartment, beat the shit out of her, and then run away. I know. It's like, just, what's your, what was your plan? Your here? Yeah. I have no idea. Piece of shit. Yeah. So luckily she was okay. She was injured, but nothing too severe. She was taken to the hospital and everything was checked out and she was just shaken up and had some bruises. I don't think she actually like broke anything, but she was pretty shaken up as well as like beat up. Yeah. Josh was arrested and went to jail, but he was bailed out the next day. Bye. Doesn't say. I'm guessing. Douche canoe. (laughs) After this... Chuck moved into the apartment. I don't know if he offered to move in or if she asked him to move in or maybe it was like a mutual decision, but they had been together um, for quite a while before he moved in. Not quite a while. They started talking in like June or July and he moved in in October, but that's not quite a while. That's really quick. To me, it works for some people. Like for me, that would be quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had gotten close really fast and she was scared. And if you have a stalker. Yeah you know, abusive ex, I can understand. Yeah, you want your boyfriend who you're very comfortable with, who could help protect you to be with you all the time. That makes complete sense. Exactly. So he moves in the apartment with her and her mom. And Amber is really happy at the time. She feels really safe. She's not like constantly checking over her shoulder when he's with her, which is nice for her to kind of feel a little bit more relaxed. So this part is unsubstantiated. So this part is in the TV show, but it is not in any other, and there's not a lot of information on this. There's like a couple of news reports and I read the arrest records, but this piece right here, I'm just going to preface because- What TV show? Web of Lies. Okay. So it's a really good TV show if you want to learn all about like internet crimes as well as like how the internet is used to like solve cases. It's, I think it's a very well done um, show. There's reenactments, but they're not too crazy. Um, Clever. 
web of lies. Yeah. This chunk, it only made me suspicious because I don't know. I just, I just couldn't find any information to substantiate it. And Amber only talks about the beginning piece. She doesn't really talk about the end piece, but she's talking about it. So I'm guessing it happened. But anyways, so one night Chuck and Amber are at home and Chuck decides that he has to go hang out with some friends. So he leaves and says he'll be back by 11. At 11, he doesn't come home, and then he continues to not come home for a couple hours, so she's calling him and texting him. She's really worried about him. He's not answering, and then all of a sudden, she gets a text from Josh, and she's really worried that maybe Josh had something to do with this, and that Chuck is missing, and maybe something terrible had happened to Chuck. The next morning at like 8 a.m., she gets a call from the hospital. Wait, but what was the text from, from, from Josh? Well, in the TV show, it said, where's your boy? But obviously... I couldn't find this anywhere else because it's not I, – I, that's Okay, what's, you couldn't actually confirm. Yeah, and that's what's so frustrating. I think I think I can believe it, but ever since Albany does, I can't trust anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. And this case, which sucks about these kinds of cases because, like, this case is a, an insane case and I think it teaches people a lot and it's, like, a really good case, but there's nothing out there. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It just shocks me. So there was a couple of news articles and then, yeah, the arrest records and then this TV show. So I think that something like this happened, but I'm not entirely sure. And there's not a ton of detail. So anyways, Amber gets a call from the hospital at 8 a.m. saying that Chuck was in an accident and she needs to go to the hospital. He was involved in a hit and run. And like I said, I don't know if this is true, but he ended up getting hurt. But the thing is, is they said someone tried to run him off the road, but they don't say if he was in his car, if he was walking. And they obviously, they don't say that it's Josh. There's obviously this undertone of like, did he run you off the road? You know? Mm, yeah. So, so I don't know if this was dramatization. You can take it as it is. But Amber does talk about like having to go to the hospital and there being an accident. I don't know if it was like a hit and run. I'm not sure. She is freaked out. Chuck is freaked out. And they're kind of angry because there's nothing they can do because he didn't see the guy. He didn't get the license plate. Like, there's nothing they could do at this point. But Josh is an idiot. And you know why I love idiots? I wonder why. I mean, I was – that just flabbergasted me. He's an idiot? <laughs> this is my favorite thing when idiots use social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this motherfucker is a felon. And what can felons not have in their possession? Firearms! Yes! And who likes to take pictures and put them on social media of them carrying firearms? Joshua the idiot! Yes. <laughs> so, luckily, he created a new Facebook profile, I think. And then, I don't know if he, like, requested to be friends with Amber. I don't know exactly how she found it. But she saw that he was carrying, like, an assault rifle. Then, friend the person who would most want you back in prison! <laughs> exactly. So, she calls the police and the police get her to talk to an ATF agent. So the ATF agent is working with her trying to get to Josh and like they try to do this like meetup where she texts Josh and tells her to meet in a Walmart parking lot, but he never shows up. So she texts him and he tells her that he's in his at his mom's house. So she tells the ATF that Josh is at his mom's house. So they go to his mom's house and he's arrested. All right. So they're like, yay, he's out of her life for now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> so Chuck decided that it was time to go back to working because he needed to put school on hold because he needed to start making money and, you know, getting his life back on track. So he decides to start applying for jobs and he is obviously struggling. Like a lot of people when they're going out to find jobs, he had job, you know, applications and interviews, but he couldn't seem to get a job and he was very frustrated. On November 12th, 2014, Amber's brother, Anthony... 
comes over during his lunch break to hang out with his mom and sister. And Chuck is there. Amber's mom's name is Kara. And so Kara, Anthony, Chuck, and Amber are hanging out on Anthony's lunch break. And Amber's mom asks Chuck to go into her car and grab a pair of shoes from the trunk. And Chuck says no. And she's kind of like, okay, weirdo. (laughs) And so Amber's like, yeah, I'll do it. So Amber goes and gets the shoes from the car. And Amber's mom goes up to Chuck and is like, you know, I was just asking you to do me a favor. I let you live here. I feed you. I do a lot for you. And so you can't even go to the trunk of my car and help me out once. And you're all attitude about I mean, it. Fair enough. Yeah. You're all attitude about it. And so he gets he gets a little peeved and she gets a little peeved. All of a sudden, Chuck kind of stands up and starts to say, like, you don't respect me, yada, yada, yada. And he's, like, yelling at Amber's mom. And Amber comes in and Amber's like, you do not disrespect my mom. You do not disrespect my family. Like, no. And he he says, respect, and kind of goes off. And then she says, you can pack your bags and leave if you don't respect this family. She's like, I'm not dealing with this shit. If you think that you're better than us or you, we don't respect you or you don't respect us, leave. So were they having troubles and stuff before this? Because I feel like it's almost like they were fine and then all of a sudden this is just out of the blue, out of thin air. They have this huge fight and like she's that quickly ready to say, okay, fine, leave. No, it everything, I mean, first of all, they'd only been together since July. So it wasn't like they were living together, but like it was still early in the relationship. I mean, it was, this was November. So he, they don't. Yeah, I guess so. It's like, it's still the growing pains of living together and living. Not only though, are they moved in together, but they're moved in with her family. Exactly. So that's and, a whole nother stressor. Yeah. And all the brother, the mom, the sister, even family friends said like Chuck was great and loved him he seemed like the perfect guy and like he had no issues and they were really happy until this weird weird incident so then chuck takes out a knife from (gasps) his pocket zero to a hundred dude and stabs amber in the face what yep and he jumps on top of her and he keeps punching her and stabbing her and punching her and stabbing her and amber's mom is like what the fuck is going on so she starts like trying to grab this motherfucker off her daughter and so she's trying to pull him off and he's like in this rage and amber's trying to like crawl away from him but he's still stabbing her luckily her brother anthony picks up chuck's guitar (laughs) because chuck's a guitar player and smashes it on chuck's back and chuck kind of like gets pulled out of it a little bit. At this point, Amber's mom went to grab the phone and try to dial 911. And Chuck punches her in the face and then stabs her in the forehead and in the chest. So now- How big is this knife? Um, how much is this? Like four inches? That, I can't tell. It's a computer. That seems more like six inches. Six inches? Yeah, six inches. I mean- In your forehead? Yeah, yeah. And he stabbed Amber in the face? Yep, in the mouth. And she could still- In the mouth? Mm Mm-hmm. And then he, she could still, like, crawl away. Well, yeah, because at that point, he had hit her in the mouth and hadn't hit, like, her brain or anything. Um, And then he, when he was stabbing her, he was kind of stabbing her everywhere. And so or she kind of went into flight. And so she was trying to get away from him. And then eventually she passes out. And so once she's passed out, that's when he gets up and turns on her family. He stabs the mom and Anthony tries to grab Chuck and push him out the door. And then he doesn't realize it that he's been stabbed twice. So the brother had been stabbed in the back of the head and he had been stabbed in the neck. So he had been stabbed in the back of the head and the neck and he didn't realize it until he pulled the knife out of him, his body. So he gets Chuck outside and then him and his mom are able to go to a neighbor's house and call 911. So Amber's passed out in the house. Anthony and Kara are at the neighbor's calling 911. So the police come and they understand that, you know, this escalated situation happened. A guy has a knife. So they kind of go in with caution. They walk around the apartment complex and Chuck is just sitting there outside of the apartment in this chair, just like sitting there. Just chilling. Yeah. And there was, the knife was on the ground next to him. It was covered in blood. 
obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm surprised I, any of them are walking around. They all got stabbed in the head. I know. It I will know. never cease to amaze me how many stories I've heard between I survived or all the true crime that I've read or listened to or been told. And these people get stabbed and shot in the head and they just keep going like humans are fucking hard to kill, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the skull has a lot to do with it. Like, because she got stabbed in the forehead, but I don't know. The knife like didn't. Like how far it actually went into her brain. I don't even think it went into her brain. I don't even think it got through the skull. Because she didn't Holy. need, like, she didn't need major surgery. And neither did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe many a, movies then. <laughs> maybe the chest, maybe the chest and the neck. They had, they had, ma- like, major injuries, but it wasn't, like, brain damage. Right. So, and, and, and it was, like, a switchblade, like, pocket knife. And with the force of it, I don't really know. I don't know how it works. I wish I, I wish I could see those x-rays. <laughs> but anyways. So the police come up, he's sitting in his chair, he looks upset, and he told the police that he also has a gun on him. So that's the last thing you should tell to a fucking cop, especially if you don't have, like, what? He doesn't even have a gun on it. But he's saying he does, because he's fucking weird. Uh, it looks like he falls from the same tree as Mr. Joshua Brain Surgeon. <laughs> yeah, and also, I don't know if he wanted to do suicide by cop, like, I don't- Oh, maybe. That I could be very yeah. well the case. But he didn't, like, lunge at them. I don't know. I don't know. So police end up like, okay, there's the knife on the ground. He says he has a gun. Like, we don't want him to lunge for the knife, grab the gun, and we don't want to have to shoot him. So they end up tasing him twice. <laughs> Good. Yes. In the nuts. I wish. I don't know where, but probably not the nuts. Ugh, <laughs> uh, what's the fucking point? <laughs> so first tase, the apartment manager was there to let them into the apartment in case it was locked and the first tase i guess the apartment manager said it looked like it didn't even affect chuck like he kind of just like brushed it off was he on drugs no but luckily the second one took him down but it took five officers to arrest him i looked at his mugshot and interrogation video he's a bigger guy he's pretty big okay okay so maybe he could withstand more of that because mm-hmm and, like, he was in shock, probably. He was in, like, adrenaline rush. Yeah, oh, yeah, his adrenaline's already going. Yeah. yeah. While this is happening, they get the ambulance down, and they take all the family to the hospital, and, obviously, they bring detectives in to look at the crime scene, take crime scene photos, and there is blood everywhere. Like, uh, yeah. oh my god, if you watch Web of Lies, I won't post them to the blog, but if you do watch the episode of Web of Lies... It's crazy. They obviously don't show anything like too insane, but there's smears of blood everywhere. And guess what they find on a top of a pile of clothes? What? A tooth. Oh, when no. He stabbed I mean, her, it makes sense. When he stabbed her in the mouth, he broke off her two front teeth. So there were teeth just sitting. Just chilling out. Uh-huh. Oh, Ow. Oh, my God. That just makes me cringe. Amber was taken to the hospital and she was put on life support. She had been stabbed 12 to 15 times. Her first stab was in the mouth, causing her two front teeth to be removed forcefully. She was stabbed in the face, head, arms, back, chest. And she had severe defensive wounds on her hands. Like, her hands were, like, yeah, almost sliced, like, through. She had a fractured skull, broken vertebrae in her back from being stabbed in the back. She had two collapsed lungs. And her hand was so damaged by the stab wounds and the defensive wounds, they had to do a four-hour surgery just to put it back together. But she survived. So I can't find any updated records, but at the time, like, a year after this happened, she was still unable to use her hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. They had to put metal plates as well as screws in her hand. And there is a picture on Web of Lies of, like, the picture of it after surgery, like, all the stitches and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that she survived. And I'm I- so happy that she survived too. I was like not really expecting that. No, and that's the whole thing. That's what's so insane about this story because like what people can survive is just 
I wonder if she has her own I Survived episode. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything other than the web of lies. She's very private about this, but she mainly warns women about this, about the, like, doing thorough background checks because... Let's get back to the story so we can, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. A little a little foreshadowing, I <laughs> yes, see. Yes. So she awoke from her coma and survived. And luckily, Kara and Anthony had survived as well. They had those stab wounds and they ended up having to get um, stitches and stuff. But they all are living in a happy family, which is fan-freaking-tastic. So yes. while they were all in the hospital, you know, getting stitched up and going through surgery after surgery, Chuck was being questioned by the police. And they find out that he was on probation for two charges of assault and battery. And he was a felon. And that's why he oh. couldn't get a job. Uh, ha, ha. There's always more to the story. Exactly. So he was frustrated about not being able to get a job, but he wasn't able to get a job because he was a felon. So what he had done is outside of a bar one night, he had beat a man unconscious and pistol whipped his wife. Whoa. There's no information about what happened, why, where, but that's what he did. So he's obviously a piece of shit. Yeah. And he actually had never studied medicine and he had never had a good paying job as a construction worker. Liar. Why you always lying? <laughs> lies, lies, lies. You are lies. a lying liar who lies. Luckily, he pled guilty to the attacks and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. You tried to kill three people. Short. Yeah. yeah. And Amber and her family were not happy with this. They believe that he should have gone to prison for life or at least like more than that. But yeah, like why is attempted murder not just the same sentence as murder? Just because she survived. Just be, yeah, I don't know. It's so fucking confusing. <laughs> oh my God. He stabbed three people in the fucking face, neck, chest, like everywhere. Disfigure. Yeah. Out of nowhere. That's the whole thing. Does he ever give an explanation to no. why? Not that one would ever suffice, but. No. He just went from zero to 60 rage wise. Wow. Yeah. Amber is 100% sure that he will kill again if he gets out of prison or when he gets out of prison. And she's very worried about the next person that he dates because obviously he has this crazy, he seems like a perfect guy until he snaps. Yeah, yeah, he's got the mask. Exactly. So now Amber and her family are doing better. Uh, I think they all have PTSD, especially Amber. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and she's very untrustworthy of others. She, you know, constantly worries about new people coming into her life. Not only did she have Chuck to deal with, but she also had Josh to deal with. And, like, that's just... Yeah, like, where does Josh fit into this story? Just that he was being... He's just such... He was, he was a red herring, but also he was a piece yeah. of shit, too. I mean, he was the reason that she started dating Chuck because Chuck was supposed to be the polar opposite of Josh. But he was right. the exact same as Josh, just hit it better. So Chuck was lucky to have Josh to push her right into his arms. Basically, yeah. And I, I said for now because I just wanted you to think Josh was. Yeah, still- it was, that was a good technique. Yeah, Josh was sentenced to four years in prison for possession of a firearm. So he's probably somewhere. But Amber also speaks out about her attacks and warns women to do thorough background checks for anyone they meet online or in person that they are going to go out on a date with because there is risks when it comes to dating online as well as dating people you haven't met before. If she would have done a background check, she would have seen that he was on probation and he was a felon. Still not her fault. No, no, no. No, but she just doesn't want women to be in the same place she was in. She just wants them to protect her and themselves. Yeah, Yeah, because it's not her fault in the slightest. I mean, no one saw this coming. There's so many people on that show were like, what the actual fuck just happened yeah i mean the mom lived with him and the brother was constantly there so yeah you know it's it's one of those things you can't you can't be prepared for 
So that was that on that. Damn, that was a quick one, girl. I know. It's, I mean, it's easier when, it's not easier. It's shorter when it's a one-off and they survive and, you know, it's. Yeah, but that's a good story. Like th- that poor girl. And it, it is a lesson for everybody to really check who you're, has someone who has dated online in the past. Like, I, I mean, I would do the same thing. Do as much as I can through Google. There's mm-hmm. only so much you can do though, exactly. but. And, and like just to really see. I'm also very suspicious of people in general. So I think I think I kind of see demons where there are none, but I think all true crime addicts are the same way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I actually thought I was searching facts about stabbings. <laughs> of course. And I found this cool like I don't know what is this called? Like a website writing. An article. There we go. Ah, words. (laughs) An article by a man named Kellen Perry. And I think he either interviewed people or he went and looked through people who had survived stabbings. He just says a variety of firsthand accounts. So he might have pulled these from like other sources. But basically all of these people who survived from stabbings, how they described what it felt like to be stabbed, which is kind of crazy. This woman named Elizabeth, not her real name, but the press calls her Elizabeth. She is an Australian woman and she was stabbed 31 times by a home invader in a frenzied attack in 2002. However, she lived and she said she thought he was punching her. She didn't realize he was stabbing her. She was just confused as to why he kept punching her. Then she says that she felt a cold wind sweeping through her, probably because she had holes in her body. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. And so she see, do it. She looks at the bathroom floor that she was sitting on and she said in a surreal moment i thought this is all going to need to be regrouted (laughs) (laughs) what your mind goes through that's one of my favorite things about like not that people have to go through these harrowing stories but like when they do just the just the mm -hmm. thoughts that people have because then inane things or just very (laughs) mundane things will all of a sudden pop in your head of just like this doesn't matter even though it's true like what will pop into your head at weird moments yeah when we got into our boating accident my sister when her foot got cut, she was really worried about her new sweatpants. <laughs> I think it's a defense mechanism yeah, your that brain, your brain does. You have to focus on something. Yeah, so she was really mad that they cut off her new sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it gives you something yeah, else to think about besides what's actually going on. So it was maybe a form of disassociation mm-hmm. that like your brain is protecting itself from letting the full weight of this horrible thing, mm-hmm. this traumatic thing that's happening to you sink in. Mm-hmm. And oh, the grout. Like, oh, that will be, you know, or my bad pants. Uh, or, or like people who are like, oh, I don't, this blood is never going to come out. They're like, I'm going to be late. Exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't call in work. Weird stuff. She said that I have read since that this is quite common when the sympathetic nervous system kicks in to actually feel like you're being punched and not stabbed. So it's a common okay. occurrence. That, that makes sense. Yes. So then this other woman, her name's Emily, she was stabbed by her partner in 2012 in an uncharacteristically drunken rage, which is, I want to learn so much more about this. So maybe I'll, I'll see if I can find more information about this. So I guess this person who, if they get drunk, they're not usually in a rage and all yeah. of a sudden they were in a rage. Yeah. And so she said he had stabbed her in the back with a knife, but it just felt like a really hard punch, like the previous woman said. But then when the pain started to set in, she all of a sudden felt like this flush of heat and all of a sudden got sick and started throwing up on the floor. And her partner luckily called 911 after stabbing her. <laughs> That's the least you can do. No, I mean. and then saved her life but then she asked him after he stabbed her what on earth did you do that for (laughs) (laughs) Um, i mean it's a valid question yeah 
Uh, it's so weird. So I can't say that wouldn't be on the forefront of my mind if I ever got. I just am so yeah. Like what the fuck, man. That's why I'm gonna try to find more about that. I think there's a link here, so I'll maybe click it. Ooh, yeah, and that we, one looks like an interesting one. Yeah, but. Luckily, the British Nation Health Service was able to save her life, and she said, I will not hear a word against them for the rest of my life. (laughs) This person, his name is Eric Clark, he was stabbed 13 times, but he said the pain made him feel like a stranger to what was going on. So kind of like an out-of-body. Yeah, yep. He remembers hearing the nurses counting his wounds, and he thought nobody would survive 13 stab wounds. And he felt like he was standing over his own gurney. Yep. He disassociated. Yep. And he had actually had a collapsed lung, so he was unable to breathe. So they had to give him a tracheotomy. No, tracheotomy. No, I don't know. That thing- a tracheotomy, yeah. Yeah, so they cut into his into his ribs to a... Uh- tracheotomy is your throat, isn't it? Yeah. Chest. Man, I definitely watched enough MASH that I should know the answer. I was thinking I've definitely watched enough Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a tracheotomy is like when you're choking, they'll like cut into your throat so you can breathe lower than where the blockage is. Yeah. But because it's definitely, yeah, when you have a collapsed lung, there's air. So like your lung is deflated and there's air in your chest cavity, making it so that your lung can't inflate anymore. So they have to like poke a hole through your ribs to let the air out so that your your lung can inflate again. That I know, but I just don't know what the name of it is. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I literally, there's a whole episode of MASH where one of the characters has to do this in like the back of a turned over truck. And I can see, I've watched it so many times, I can see the whole scene happening, but I cannot tell you what it's called. Well, the collapsing of a lung is pneumothorax. But what? Correct. Does that start with a silent P? <laughs> yep. Because the letter P kept coming to me. Like, is it a P? <laughs> yep, it starts with the letter P. I know it's called uh, a chest tube, but it has a name. What the fuck? I think it's just called a chest tube. No, I totally know that there is a thoracotomy. You just made that up. No. You just want everybody who's listening to One think you're opt- smart, so you made that shit up. I'm, go- I'm Googling it, so I'm obviously not smart. Oh, and guy, everyone knows if it's on the Google. <laughs> hey, this is a reputable site. One option is a thoracotomy. During this surgery, your surgeon will create an incision in the pleural space to help them see the problem. Then they perform a thoracotomy. They'll decide. Blah, 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 blah. I don't. Blah, 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 blah. I honestly don't know, but they did that to him, and he said the whole time he was like freaking out because he wanted to tell them that he couldn't breathe. But they're like, "Bro, we know you can't breathe. We're giving you a chest tube, <laughs> bro." We, we, we know. Yeah. And he said he felt that cut. Oh. Yes. So you, so you don't feel yourself getting stabbed, but you can feel a cut. Yep. But it obviously provided some relief once he could breathe. I would assume. There, here's another one. An MMA fighter, Lightning Lee Murray, told reporters that when he was stabbed outside of a London nightclub in 2005, he didn't feel nothing at all. Obviously, you know what he meant. This, despite reporting, blood was literally shooting out of his chest. Like a Mortal Kombat character. Like out of a movie. Yep, like a Mortal Kombat character is what the guy said. (laughs) It was literally flying out of my chest like a yard in front of me. Jeez. So did it hit like an artery or something? Because that's, I think that like the more projectile the blood gets, it means like it's a more important Well, it's your heart. Yeah, your heart is pumping. It's shooting out, yeah. Yeah. Um, When he noticed blood on his head, he thought someone had punched him. It wasn't until he saw blood blurred (laughs) blurred squirting out of his chest that when he knew he had been stabbed. That's so crazy. Blood. Blurred. Blood. <laughs> I want to suck your blurred. Um, it was like a lightning strike. Tim Creeder. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm going to put this all on the box. Wait, wasn't his name lightning strike something? Tim Creeder? 
Didn't you say like that was his? No, name? he he said it was like a lightning strike getting stamped. Oh, okay. Oh no, that was the. You're right. No, that was the MMA. Yeah. Weird. I didn't notice that, but yeah, the MMA fighter. This is a different story, but the MMA fighter was named Lightning. But this guy is describing his stabbing. Oh, I thought you said the light. The the, the MMA fighter was like described it. It was like a lightning strike. Like, well, no, is everything <laughs> lightning to you? Like, We're what? Con- we're confused. Someone's obsessed. So, MMA fighters names Lightning didn't realize he was stabbed until he saw blood squirting out of him. Gotcha. Tim Kreider told The American Life in 2012 when he was stabbed in the throat, it was like a lightning strike over almost as soon as it happened, and the illumination didn't last. Oh, wait, illumination? I don't know what that means. Like Nobody knows what you're talking about, man. Like the Like the strike, like the pain didn't last i think like he instantly felt it and then it instantly went away your body Uh, probably from going into shock um he said that it was an unsuccessful murder he claims is less interesting than it sounds in fact he says getting stabbed wasn't even among the worst experiences of his life what kind of life are you living (laughs) that sounds terrible did we find like the most unlucky man in the world i i what that's crazy Okay, that's strange. I need to learn more about him as well. Yeah. It was like someone slapping me in the back. Wesley Canning from Northern Ireland (laughs) said that he was stabbed in the back in a frenzied knife attack, but he felt like someone was slapping him. It wasn't until he saw the blade nine or ten inches long that he felt the throbbing pain all over him. And Ah! (laughs) in the moment, he thought it was his curtain call, but he didn't (sighs) even pass out, despite losing two liters of blood. Wow. Yes. Vancouver resident Michael Osborne was stabbed repeatedly with a steak knife by former lover Joshua Strands during a back rub in 2010? What? What? How did it so go? the most amazing I, thing followed by, like, the worst what? thing. I, I, I want to know so many things. I have, yeah, so, I have so many questions. questions. Did he already have the knife before he... Like, let me... Like, yeah, did he like get off and get... Under the pillow. Oh, my God. I'm so I know. Good. I know how I'll stab him. I'll, I'll, I just get into the bed. Okay. <laughs> Or I get him on the couch. I'll get him on the couch. I'll it's hide it so in the couch cushions. Weird. Oh, honey, uh, how about how about I how about I rub your shoulder? We've well, never Come offered sit before. here on the couch where there's totally not a knife hiding. You've never offered before, but like, yeah. He told the judge that each stab felt like it pierced my soul, and that even after six months of recovery, he still lives with pain in his head and side from the stab wounds. Oh. The stabbing occurred after Strance was released from jail for robbing a fireworks stand. Okay, this is the most interesting story I've ever heard. <laughs> Who robs a fireworks stand? Oh, and it was Osborne that ratted him out. Okay, so his boyfriend told on him. This is so fucking crazy. Honey, are you sure you're not mad about me confessing to the police? <laughs> no, no, no. Why don't you come here? I'll show you how much it doesn't mind. I don't mind with a back rub. Oh my god, and you're <laughs> only, like, the thing is, is he's pissed that he had to go to jail for robbing fireworks, stand. Now you're going to jail for attempted murder. Right? It's so much worse. So he Your said, logic is not sound here, buddy. <laughs> so he said, after eating cake and soliciting a back rub, Strand started choking, st- punching, and stabbing Osborne. They had cake. You can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> bad can happen if you have cake. <laughs> so, That's just not fair. So bad. An Irish teen told a courtroom the blood felt like water running down his stomach after his next door neighbor stabbed him at his 18th birthday party. Why are these such great? I like, do these things make people feel the need to stab each other? Right? Like, I really want to stab him. His like, birthday's in two weeks. I guess I can wait. Like many, he felt like he was getting punched. After attempting to flee, he collapsed, feeling like he couldn't catch his breath. It was really, really warm. It felt like I just had a dead leg. 
That's the thing. Like a lot of times you're going to have chronic issues after this. It's not just that you yeah. get to recover that's if you're like, luckily yeah, enough to like, live. That's like Amber in her hand. Yeah. And, PTSD. and probably her face. Mm-hmm. Like, her teeth. Oh, God. And then her brother and her mom. Yeah. So this one is the last one. It sounds like satire, but 22-year-old Michael Baker from Forest Grove, Oregon, did indeed continue to play Pokemon Go after being stabbed by a random man in July of 2016. He told the media he refused medical attention because he still wanted to hunt for Pokemon and other things, including continuing his mission for chips and beer. Despite later needing eight stitches, it was all mind over matter for Baker. Quote, it's important to me. I gotta basically catch them all. (laughs) Adding that he'll be careful next time. What's the point if you die? <laughs> I have so many questions about these people getting randomly stabbed. Yeah. What did, what? Like, did, was this guy just, like, walking down the path? and It, was like, I, it says right, randomly. Well, he was, like, trying, <laughs> what if he was trying to steal one of his Pokemon? He's like, bitch, that's my Pokemon. <gasps> I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a bunch of links in here which go to the actual story, which will be super fascinating. So I'm going to post that, but I'm probably yeah. going to read more on them later because that's insane. But yeah, insane. So it's kind of a lot of these are similar to what, what you've heard, but it's kind of crazy to hear from first count, like people who actually went through it because some people don't feel anything. Some people feel everything. And I think, yeah. I think it kind of depends on like if you know that you're getting stabbed or if you're in like a high intensity situation where you haven't gotten into shock yet with Amber. That makes sense. Like Amber, it came out of nowhere and it hit her in the face and she said it hurt like fucking hell. But I think like let's say they were getting attacked, like they were in a fight and then all of a sudden he started stabbing her. Maybe it would be different because you're full of adrenaline and you've already like gone into shock. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Or you can more quickly go into shock. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm luckily everyone in this story survived. Even the people who were stabbed. <laughs> everyone survived. <laughs> so yeah. So you're right. I'm not as depressed this time. No. So luckily, it's still scary. Online dating is a crazy, crazy place. If you watch Web yep. of Lies, you will never online date ever again. <laughs> or use the I mean, internet. I mean, if you online date, then you will never online date again. <laughs> You learn your lesson real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Well, maybe not because I did it for like four years. <laughs> well. And I was like, I'd be like, okay, no, I'm done with it. And then like six months later, I'd be like, all right, maybe I'll try it again. But it was just like, like this pretending you have control over your life. Well, that's like Amber. You know, she couldn't like when you get to a certain age or a certain place in life, it's really hard to meet people. So sometimes you have to go to online dating and there's a lot of success stories, but you just never know who you're meeting, especially in this situation, Chuck went by his real name, but there's a lot of people who don't go by their real name. So even if you try to look into them, they're going under an alias because you don't have to prove to the internet who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, thank you. I hope that you enjoyed. I did. I did. And I hope everybody else did too. Um, yes. Uh, we love you and we miss you and we hope you have a wonderful life and don't get stabbed because ow. And please rate and subscribe. <laughs> Do all of I the realize things. that we like never ask anybody to rate and subscribe. Because we and don't listen to all these podcasts. They're like, rate and subscribe our blog. I was like, oh, rate, yeah. review, and subscribe. <laughs> Follow us on all the social medias. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we have social media. Um, yeah, Stevie's in charge of that. Stephanie doesn't touch that with a ton before. And Stevie does a terrible job at it. <laughs> Stevie does better than anybody. I just, so first of all, we don't have any listeners. So part of me is like, who cares if they fucking tweet? <laughs> that's, that's, if you want people to listen, you got to put it out there. Yeah, you also, go, tweet, 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 tweet. The first, 
You're so annoying. For anyone who, if, if they do listen, if you want me to, to talk directly to me, you know, if you talk to me on Instagram or Twitter, like no one if else does. If you want me to talk directly to me. Oh, sorry. If you want to talk directly to Stevie and be like super cool because I'm a really cool person, all you have to do is direct message me or like tweet me or like Instagram me. And we're the only people who talk because nobody else talks to me. <laughs> Nice. Nice. That doesn't make a make you sound desperate at all. No, that's why I don't <laughs> plug it because I don't think anyone will actually do it. But if they do, that'd be fun. That would be very fun. Anyways, all that stuff and more is going to be in the description, including links to all of the sources and stuff I used today and the information about the Web of Lies episode because that's a great show on Investigation Discovery if you're into that. But anyways, catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Bye. <laughs>